Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, or just trying to rediscover your why. I am your host, Harsha Boralessa, and this podcast came from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I do hope that their stories will inspire you on your path to greater success and fulfillment in your career. Welcome to episode 68 of the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast. Before we begin, I wanted to thank all the listeners for their support. We have had some amazing increases in listener metrics this year, and we'll share the final numbers in January. If you're enjoying the podcast and the YouTube channel, please consider subscribing. It is free and does make such a difference to independent shows like this one. As we're coming up to the start of the new year, I wanted to experiment with a different format. And this episode focuses entirely on job search and has bite-sized clips from some of the previous guests. Now that there are close to 70 episodes, some new listeners are not sure where to start. So hopefully this will help. If this is successful, we will look to create episodes on different themes, including leadership, mindset, communication, and building your network. Please let me know what you think. Please note that in this episode, we may touch on mental health and wellness topics, purely in general terms. If you have specific issues or concerns, please contact a suitable professional. Now back to the show. The episode will begin by looking at mindset and its importance, especially if you've been laid off and are looking to start your job search. Then we will focus on how to get your job search started and some strategies that may help. Following this will be insights on the interview process and ideas to help you stand out and ace that interview. We finish with ideas to keep your motivation going if you're not getting the results you want and ways of managing failure. The first clip is from episode 18 with Amy Barnard-Bob, who created the Promotability Index, PI Framework and Self-Assessment, and is the author of the PI Guidebook. She talks about approaching your job search with the right mindset. And I loved your point about, I want to emphasize it, that you do need to get through your, your issues before you start interviewing. It comes through. If you're still angry, and I've seen this as a, as a recruiter, I've been a recruiter, I've done you know, to talent acquisition, I've overseen it. You need, you need to be ready and strong and excited when you're looking for another job. It, it's just the negativity shows up or you're bitter. It's amazing some of the stupid things people actually say in interviews, but you've got to work through it. And you can set a timeline. I know one uh, mind trick, if you will, for our silly lizard brains that usually get activated when we're angry or upset or feel things are unfair is to set a timeline say, okay, I'm going to allow myself to be upset for three months. I'm making this up. Mm. It could be two weeks if you're someone who can move quickly, but I'm going to, but actively, you know, and I'm going to get counseling or I'm going to talk to some of my best friends. I'm going to talk to so-and-so who I know went through the same exact thing five years ago after the three months passes. Okay. Am I still going to spend a lot of my time and energy on this? Or am I going to, you know, check in with yourself? And I think you'll find that you can start to move on to other things. Because I suppose the thing is you could talk to your friends, but eventually they're going to get tired if you're still stuck in talking about, you know, okay. the bad we, have, have we all been there before? 
or the boyfriend or girlfriend who left, they're just not coming back. And we've all had the friend who couldn't give up the ghost or whatever the right phrase is. Yeah, they, they just were stuck. They're stuck. And it's like, come on, you got, got to move on. And, and I know it's easier said than done. I don't mean to seem unempathetic. I truly am empathetic. I want to see people happy. We now have Octavia Gorodima, career coach and the author of Prep, Push, Pivot from episode 57. And she talks about dealing with the shock of redundancy and processing your thoughts and emotions. It's really hard, Harsha, more often than not, even if you knew there might be a potential of this happening when you find out that it's happening to you. It's a really hard thing to hear. In the United States, it can have immediate effect. You literally find out on the morning and that's it. If you're finding out via email, which a lot of people do, especially in reductions in force, which is when more than 50 people are laid off here, you're finding out via an email and then you lose access to your email and you know anything that you have done at that company in that time or if you're in in an office you get called into a meeting and told this is your last day today it's jarring the first thing i would tell anyone to do is to take time to process how they feel whether it's frustration anger upset confusion take the time to process it might be that you need to go back to your human resources point of contact with some clarifying questions because when you're receiving information and you're processing at the same time it's a lot yeah. more than likely you might want time to go back and to ask some questions and know that you can do that but take time to process your emotions talk to somebody as you are doing that I think that's very very important don't keep it all inside and then maybe after a couple of days you can start to think about what you do next. And some of that will be dependent on the time frame that you have in terms of your own personal finances and what you need to do potentially in the time that you have to find your next opportunity. And that will vary for everybody. For some people, they've got to find the next thing immediately. Other people might have been given what they call a severance package here that will cover them for a period of time. Here in the United States, your health insurance is tied to your employment. Yeah. So many people are here on work visas that are tied to their employment. They might have 60 days to find their next employer before they lose their right to work in the United States. And you might only have 30 days or 10 days or 15 days left of health insurance. And then you don't, you know, you have to have coverage, which you're paying for yourself. So it's, there are huge considerations financial before you even get into the how will I find that next opportunity and what am I going to do next? So it's a lot to process. Once you've processed, you've asked your clarifying questions, you've considered what your timeline is, think about what you want to do next and then think about who you need to tell so that you can maximize your reach. This next part looks at ideas to get your job search going and other strategies to help your job search. We start with Manola Jack from episode 50, who stresses the importance of not talking yourself out of applying for jobs. Minola is an experienced change manager and the author of Everyday Inspiration for Change. First and foremost, do not self-reject. Do not fall in the trap that if you don't tick all the boxes in a job description or in a role description or 
if you had 10 applications that feel like black holes, speak to yourself as you would support your best friend going through the same situation. What I have learned while I was in the same situation not too long ago, I learned that the universe falls in love with a stubborn heart. And if rationally you feel that everything is just a dead end, if, if you feel that there is something out there for you, it is. And what, what I would say is when it feels too much, go for a walk, reframe and reset the way you think about it. And what I learned, people can reach out to me and, and I'm, I'm happy to, to detail this. If I look back at rejections that really unsettled me and made me question my sanity, even, those rejections were protections. And whatever it is that you do, do it knowing who you are. And then what you can do will show up. Reach out to people and take no as the gift of time and energy to be repurposed. Yeah, no, I just love that. And and I also think, yeah, as you're saying, if you are stuck or you've hit a roadblock, it's definitely worthwhile, you know, if you have some good friends, speak to them. Because I think keeping things in your head is is not good. Um, and if you explain that's the situation to somebody else, maybe they can see something that you're not doing well or maybe look at your CV or look at an application and just see if there are things that you're not expressing properly. Because obviously, I think it's important to be stubborn, but it's also important to just check in and just figure out, am I doing things the right way? Maybe uh, course correcting slightly might help. And and also one, one point that that I learned, and it's still a struggle of mine, is to ask for the help that helps you. Because some people, when you share the situation that you're dealing with, they will automatically jump to solutions. And you could say, look, before we speak about how I can tweak my CV or how I can add 27 more lines in my Excel spreadsheet, I just need a space to let this frustration out. Because if I take it with me in an interview, yeah, I do believe that people have by default an embedded energy radar. Sometimes the best help is a safe space to vent and rent. And then we can update the CV. We can rethink about companies. We can rethink about potential career avenues, but also ask for the help that helps you. The next clip is with Emily West who emphasizes the need for taking a little time and not rushing into a job out of fear. Emily is the founder of Alchemy Coaching and previously worked for 14 years in investment banking and was on episode 12. Well, I think before anyone panics and you kind of rush into just desperately applying for jobs, you need to just stop and take some time out for yourself. And, you know, in my, my coaching mantra, stop, think, grow. You know, stop, try and pause if you can, buy yourself a bit of time, have a weekend away. You know, it's very hard to make job decisions when you're caught up in your job, and it, especially if it's high pressure. So just give yourself a bit of breathing space and thinking time. And then take thinking time, but not just thinking time. Please talk to people, whether it's a coach or friends that you trust or colleagues who are helpful, but just start talking through what you're struggling with. 
don't expect that you have the answer to whatever problem you're going through. Someone else has the answer. Someone else has been through this before you. You know, Harsh's podcast is an amazing source of inspiration. Just listen, but it's true. Listen to inspiring conversations, read inspiring books, and it can help you work through things. And then you can start taking action, as I said before, about applying for jobs, but also go exploring and be open-minded. Now, sometimes we do have to rush. Sometimes we lose a job and you need a sudden, you know, you need some income then don't be afraid to just take a contracting role rather than rushing into the long-term commitment that is a fixed-term contract, unless it's a dream job. Don't kind of rush. It's just like relationships again. Don't rush from one committed relationship to the next one, okay? Give yourself a bit of time and freedom. I remember, you know, when I left RBS, consciously saying, I need a bit of time out afterwards. I knew I'd start a business, but I hadn't formed the plan. But I just thought, I actually need a bit of time out because I've been so involved in that job. And I loved it, but I was so involved in it. I needed my, my brain just needed a time out, a breather. And then I was able to be creative again. It's very hard to be creative under pressure. So if you can buy yourself some time and then don't do this alone, talk to people, get advice, get mentors, get, you know, get mentors you never meet, get YouTube mentors, people who you like their content, listen to inspiring um, mentors every day. I get some of my clients to listen to people like David Goggins to get them fired up in the morning, but find that source of inspiration so that you you come into this job um, search in a with a positive mindset feeling positive feeling confident rather than coming into a job search from a place of lack and negativity we now move on to your resume and cv and jenny foss shares her top three ideas jenny is a job search strategist the founder and ceo of the career website jobjenny.com and author of do this not that career I was on episode 49. Number one, and this is far and away number one, is to keep it top of your mind as you're creating or revising your CV that this is a marketing tool. This is not a list. This is not your autobiography. You're creating a marketing tool that's designed to prompt a purchase decision, if you will. And in this case, that purchase decision that you're looking for is invite Harsha in for an interview. That's what you're looking for. And so what you need to do with development of your CV is think about what does my target audience need to see very quickly that I can walk through their doors and deliver? What are those skills? What is that experience? And how can I shine the best light on that throughout my CV? So that's number one. Number two would be tell a story. Tell a story. What is the kind of thread that weaves through your career? Maybe even if it's a a winding path, as obviously I have had, there are threads that run through your career Maybe it's everything I've ever done speaks to my love of problem solving or really strong communication skills, whatever that is. And also, don't be afraid to explain what you fear somebody's going to wonder or worry about. So here's an example of that. Say I have a two-year gap between 2019 and 2021. I lost my job. It was COVID. I I decided to just stay home, whatever. But now I'm in a job, but it's not the greatest job. And and I'm thinking about looking for something new. So 
on my CV, I've got that gap. And so rather than just wait for somebody to wonder or worry about something like that, you can always explain it. So in your job that you have now, you could start the, the entry by saying, following a, a COVID-related um, downsizing, you know, was invited by this XYZ company to come do that. So you're, you're explaining very succinctly how you got from one thing to the other, why you had the gap. So, so telling a story as you lay out the, the CV is, is a great idea. And then third is not worrying so much about the length of the CV, even if someone says nobody's ever going to read it, if it's over one page long, I, I will tell you straight up that is not the case. Now, but making sure you're, those words are earning the spot on the page. You don't want to blabber on and on and make it a painful journey for somebody to get through your CV. But likewise, don't be afraid to extend onto a second page unless an application or an opportunity explicitly says we need a one page CV, then you want to follow their rules. But if you need a couple of pages to properly shine light on the things that make you a great fit for any particular role, take two pages. It's not a big deal. Apart from the traditional sources for jobs, your network is a great source of intelligence and ideas, which Dory Clark discusses. Dory is a coach, speaker, professor, and the author of several books, the latest being The Long Game which is a great read and was on episode five. The right starting place is with your existing network. You know, I think where a lot of people hesitate is especially if they're not 100% sure what they what they want to be doing or where they want to be going. It, uh, it can create a little bit of paralysis. You know, is uh, does it look bad if you're like, oh, I don't really know what I what I want to do? Do you have to get hyper specific? But then sometimes it pushes people to say, oh, sure, I want another job in supply chain. You know, because that's what you did before, and maybe you don't really want another job in supply chain, but you feel like you need something. You need something to tell people. A lot of times, folks struggle with that. And what I would say, and this is a topic that I talk about quite a bit in reinventing you, is it is good to be as specific as possible, but also don't be afraid to not have all the answers. Um, so for instance, you could say something like, well, um, I'm considering getting another job in supply chain, but I'm also exploring possibilities in this or this. So if you have you know, ideas or suggestions for me, please let me know. The key, the most important thing is not to pretend to a level of certainty that you don't have, because the worst thing you can do, I mean, we have to think about this overall is uh, really being about political capital. And so if you tell someone, oh, I definitely want to do this, and they expend political capital to help you get that, and then you sort of back out and say, oh, you know, I was just thinking about it, but no, I'm not really going to do it. Then you've you've kind of burned that bridge. Totally. Yeah. So I I think it's it's really just about being clear with folks where you are in the process so that they can help you uh, in an appropriate fashion. If you've had some recent setbacks, you may need to think out of the box and use your imagination to get past a company's initial screening. On episode 11, Simon Alexander Ong talks about how he overcame failing his second year exams in university to land a role at an investment bank 
by building relationships with their recruiters. Simon is the author of the award-winning book, Energize. When I was applying to be a graduate at some of these investment banks, you have to fill in an application form. And on this application form, it asks you for your grades and your predicted grades. Now, of course, my actual grades were all failures. And so I knew that if I put that in, I couldn't get past the first filter of the system. I just wouldn't get past that because the computer would block me out. I wouldn't get to the next round. This experience taught me an important lesson. Challenges are important for our personal growth because it is in our most challenging moments that we are equipped with the skill, the wisdom, and the insight to create the best moments of our life. And so what happened is because I had no choice, because I couldn't fill in an application form, I couldn't get past the first round, I had no choice but to go and network. So I decided to sign myself up to as many of the company presentations as I could that were happening in the city. And I went to nearly all of them with the sole focus of building relationships with the people that spoke and the people that were in the audience uh, after the main presentation was done. And before I knew it, I had some of these contacts saying to me, Simon, send me your CV and I'll get you straight into HR to have an interview. So I had to get creative in order to bypass the formal process. And so before I knew it, I had invitations from about six banks uh, to have the first round interview without filling in a single application form. And so that taught me many lessons in that when your back is against a wall, suddenly you find creative ways in order to move forward. So when the financial crash happened and I was out of a job after Lehman went into administration, I didn't access that creativity again to explore, well, what could I do? What was in my control? Because now looking back, what I realize is that when we focus on what isn't in our control, the crash, Brexit, the pandemic, we become paralyzed by overthinking. We dwell on unproductive thoughts. But when we focus on what we can control, we become empowered to take action. We get energized. We get creative. And so that's what I began to tap into. And I said, maybe this is a moment. Maybe this is a moment to really reflect on what is it I want to do in my life? What does success mean to me? What does fulfillment look like? What sort of impact do I want to have in the world? For the first time, I can answer those questions for myself because when this occurred, Harsha, by this time, my mom unfortunately passed away. My dad was living in another country because of work. And so I had this rare opportunity without this pressure to think what I wanted to pursue. Uh, and that's how I started pivoting and slowly shifting my life towards the work I am now privileged to do today. Now the interview stage, and our first insight is from Shola Kay, who talks about the importance of preparation and mock interviews, even if it's just with friends or family on episode 14. Shola is a multi-award-winning speaker and author of two books, Big Talk, Small Talk, and How to Be a Diva at Public Speaking. Practice answering questions. It's funny, somebody that was in my um, my community for com- public speaking and uh, communication, he said he'd had, I think, about 40 or 50 interviews and hadn't got a single job. And then we worked together just for a week on frameworks, on how to answer questions. And then within the space of, of that sort of seven days, he actually found a job. So I think it's possible. And I think you've got to whether it's asking family and friends to watch you on Zoom or to interview you, because it's just little things like, you know, are you looking in the camera? Or what this guy would do is he'd be asked a question and he'd say, I think, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you can imagine. So just things like that that you may not spot. That's my main tip. Just don't, don't rely just on yourself, but ask other people to feedback. 
Sorry, for the listeners on our podcast who can't see Shola, what she was doing was staring into the camera and then you know, jumping back, which is just not a good look on Zoom. But but I think that that's such a great tip. Uh, just get somebody to go through the questions with you and actually record it and watch yourself back. Um, and then if you have these annoying ticks, maybe uh, the cloth- clothing you're wearing is not appropriate or, or whatever it is, the lighting. Um, I think I, I totally agree with you. Preparation is so important. Naveed Nazamian, an experienced HR specialist, talks about the three things that he looks for in a candidate that will help them stand out at the interview stage on episode 44. Naveed is the author of the international best-selling book, Mastering Executive Transitions, and an award-winning executive coach. It's important as a candidate to demonstrate three behaviors when you are going through an interview process. First of all, it's the will. I really would want to come across as someone who's absolutely willing and motivated to do this job. And not just that, but to really be committed to be um, you know, doing this and whatever comes next. So, so, so sometimes you have those conversations with candidates and, and you're really you know, feeling that there's no real hunger and, and drive to want this job. Uh, and, and that's never a good good starting point. I mean, if your energy levels aren't high enough, Hasha, during the interview process, imagine once you've signed the contract and you're in your first month or month three, uh, what the energy levels could look like. So, so really, you you really want to bring that fresh kind of um, um, attitude towards the uh, interview uh, partners and the interview process per se. So, will I would say is the first one. The second one is skill. And again, of course, there is a reason you have been invited to do the interview, but boy, how much better it is to really bring that to life during the interview process. So to show that you are competent enough to be able to do what the job would be asking you to do and potentially more as well down the line. So really it's about being able to speak to your uh, strength and competencies. And of course, that comes with a degree of confidence. I don't think we should be too full of ourselves when we go into any process, whether it's the interview process or any other process, but really, you know, being too shy and too humble. If, if I say imposter, kind of getting out, our gremlins getting out and, and really starting to whisper into our ears, you're really, really not that good, are you? That is never helpful. So I think, you know, after will, uh, skill is the other one and you need to be able to really narrow that down. You need to be able to connect why what you have done previously directly connects with what the job is asking of any candidate to be doing. And so that's the other part. And of course, there's a fine art of, you know, at the, particularly at the more senior level, I would say you need to have your career narrative. Uh, it may not be as important if you're kind of more, more early in your career or maybe the middle stages, but towards the senior end, I would say it's really important that you're able to give your kind of career narrative uh, over the next 60 or 90 seconds when they are asking you about it. And, and only then you start to demonstrate what competencies you have and how you, you might be linking them to the, to the job. And the last but not least, so will and skill. And then the third one is the mindset. I, I, I can't uh, overemphasize this aspect. You know, the mindset, you can also call it attitude, is really, really crucial. I mean, I, I love to see when a candidate has done their homework, when they come to the interview and they really know a thing or two about this company. They have really, sometimes they research the interview partners if, they, if it's known to them who will be interviewing them. 
they are able to relate to the interview partners. Oh, I saw you, you studied international management. And by the way, this was one of the courses I actually wanted to study, but I ended up going down the economics route and this and that. So you, you're able to relate um, in the moment. You're able to demonstrate that you have the right attitude to be able to not only fit in, but to bring in something that ultimately matters to the conversation and to the role. It's the will, it's the skill, and it's the mindset that you should really bring to shine during the interview process. The final insight on interviews comes from Paul Berry, a performance psychologist with nearly 15 years experience in investment banking. He talks about confidence in the context of an interview on episode 38. What are your values in that job interview? What's important to you for how you will be in that job interview? That isn't so much about reframing. You could reframe stuff. So if, you're, if you have very high levels uh, of anxiety because you're thinking, oh, I must get this job. Again, as I said earlier, that means you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. That will be helpful to, to a degree up until a, tr- um, a turning point. It, if, if it's very important to you that you get a job, that will generate self-induced pressure, which will then help you prepare for the interview, um, do research on the company, uh, understand your uh, CV, understand your area. That's motivational. Once it goes past a tipping point, that's going to be unhelpful for you. So then, yes, having some form of perspective, look, actually, it's not going to be the the end of the world if I don't get it. There will be other opportunities. Then that can be helpful. But confidence in the interview is much more driven by not even trying to eradicate eradicate nervousness or self doubt. Accepting that, but being clear on what a good what would be a good performance look like here in terms of what I'm doing, and that might be being curious. I'm going to demonstrate curiosity about th- this company and about the interviewee. Well, how would I know that I was being curious? Okay, I would be asking certain questions. I want to be a good listener in this interview. How would I know I'm listening well? And what action uh, equates to uh, good listening? And so being clear on what's important for how you want to be, translate that into particular behaviors and apply that uh, framework in in any context, but in that interview, that's what confidence is. Not feeling super calm and sky-high self-belief because self-doubt's healthy there's nothing wrong with self-doubt and if you're if you have a, a too high self-belief then you could come across as arrogant and um, that will be picked up by the people interviewing you and it's so any feeling is okay you don't need to change the feeling all that matters is what you do in the interview a job search is not a linear process and there will be successes and failures along the way firstly we have dr kurt nelson who discusses ways to motivate yourself during the job search on episode 61. Kurt is a behavioural scientist, founder and president of the Lantern Group, a communication and behavioural design agency, and the co-host of the Behavioural Group's podcast with Tim Houlihan. The job search can feel overwhelming, right? It is the big, the big goal at the end is this job, which is a pretty big goal. And that journey to get to that goal can be really long. And what we know about motivation is that that big goal can be really inspirational at the beginning and really inspirational when we get close to the end of it, but it it wanes in its motivational ability 
in the middle. And it's called the problem of the middle. So we start off, all right, January 1, I'm going to get a new job. I want to get a new job. You're all excited. January 15th comes and then February comes and then March comes. And it's like, by that time, just feels daunting and I'm weighed down and I haven't gotten, you know, the interviews I wanted in various different things. And so part of what you can do from a motivational perspective is to figure out how can I break that big journey down into milestone steps? And so what are the things I need to do? And instead of looking at that bogey of the job as the end result, I have these steps in the process that I can then uh, get excited about. Oh, I, I sent out 10 resumes. I, I got one uh, interview call. I did, you know, all of those milestones because those are these small little pieces that keep our motivation up. And one of the other pieces that I want to talk about is just that we are motivated by a sense of progress. And so even if we feel like we are moving just forward a little bit, right, just a little bit, that is much more motivational for us than being kind of stagnant or going in decline. Again, as we look at different pieces of, of what we need to do, try to always really focus and frame yourself on those positives and various different pieces. And then one last hint on this is, again, that progress piece as we're, as we're looking at this. One of the things that we can do is, is we find really motivational streaks, is keeping a streak going. So if you have something that you need to do every workday, you know, I want to send out uh, one resume a day and don't make it too big. Don't make it so it's over daunting. Make it so it's actually pretty achievable, but it will help you move to where you need to go. And then you just keep that streak going. Now, with a caveat on that is I usually would give myself a, a cheat day or a day off so that you don't get what's called the what the hell effect. This like, oh, I went two weeks and sending out a resume every day and now I miss this Monday. Oh, what the hell? I'm just going to give up on it. No. All right. Well, that was the one day that I got off. Now I need to make sure that I can sure that I'm doing that for another, you know, two weeks till the next month because I get one day off a month or something like that or whatever that that little limit is to say I get a free shot, a free roll and to be able to do it again. Our final insight looks at the problems of managing failure in a job search and features Tammy Gulalo, executive and career coach, host of the Work from the Inside Out podcast an award-winning author of a book of the same name. Tammy was a guest on episode 12 and interviewed me on episodes 26 and 59. It's very much mm -hmm. about having a resilient mindset uh, and not yeah. worrying about, you know, failure. Uh, you know, say if you don't get the interviews or even if you get the interviews and you get rejected, who cares? Just move on. Maybe yeah. the next opportunity is going to be the one that, works out and has your dream dream job and if you've got right. this opportunity um you wouldn't have had a chance to get that's it. right so it's that's very right. much i think about staying positive almost bending reality and saying look okay i'm being rejected but that's not a personal reflection on me no that's just bad luck well, i like what you just said about bending reality because part of the reality is it feels horrible when yeah. you get rejected even if it's not personal it feels bad. And so I think to remind people to bend reality is really important. What I often will say to myself, if someone's interviewed me for potential, you know, co coaching, and they they end up not hiring me, I say, which, you know, it does happen. Sometimes, <laughs> Marcia, you know, um, 
I, I say to myself, well, I guess that just leaves the space open for yeah. someone else to come in. And if I was to take every one of those personally, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. Yeah. You know, I mean, after doing this for 25 years, I it'd be terrible. It's so liberating when you let yourself care a lot about what you do and what you contribute, but you can't care about what everyone else yep. does in response to you every time. Because if you do, you will definitely shrink away and not, you know, and just want to go under the covers and not come out. And that that's just no way to live. And everybody has experienced rejection. Everybody has gone through these things and they've lived to tell about it. This is all part of the process, actually. And so if it doesn't work out, that just means there's something else better out there for you. I hope you find these insights helpful and wishing you success in your job search in 2024. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, please subscribe to the podcast, which is free. If you wish to listen more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, please take a look at the show notes, which are available online. Thanks once again for listening. Wishing you success with your career. I hope you will join me again in the future.